The past few weeks, we've been considering how to make serious progress in the life of grace by identifying our predominant fault and then attacking it with a particular resolution, particular exam, which carries us from confession to confession, and the spiritual contract, which carries us from fervent communion to fervent communion. Today, let's back up just a little bit and take a broad look at how really amazing this life is, this life of grace. And to do that, we'll rely especially on St. Alphonsus and the late great Father Dion. Before we do that, let's quickly review that idea of the order of being. It's a way, the order of being, we've looked at this several years ago, it's a way of categorizing everything that is, everything that exists, all being. It stretches from the very bottom rung of created being, which is non-living matter. Things like rocks, minerals, planets, and so forth. And it goes up through living, living uh, creatures, plants and bacteria, animals, men, angels, until it reaches the summit in uncreated being, of course, the most blessed trinity. So that's the order of being. Okay. Put that aside, we'll come back to it. Now, imagine we're out camping, like in the Grand Tetons or someplace. We're up there, admiring the beautiful mountains, and at night we lay out and look at all the stars. Now in that clear mountain air, on a dark night, you can see jillions and jillions of stars. It's really awesome. But all the stars and all the billions and billions of galaxies, right here from the Milky Way to the very edge of creation, every one of those stars, all of them, are less far, far less in order of being than just one little clump of bunch grass there by where we pitched our tent. Why is that? Why is just a little clump of bunch grass far, far greater in order of being than all the stars in the entire universe? Because that grass is alive. It's alive. Stars just burn there the vast silenceness of space, but that little old clump of grass is alive. It can grow, it can nourish itself, and it can reproduce. But even though it's alive, its life has limits. It can't just get up one day and move from one side of the meadow to the other to get blood or sunlight for its growth. It doesn't have that kind of life. Well, then along here comes a bull elk grazing on the grass. That old bull elk is a much higher order of life, much higher order of being, than the grass it's grazing on. It can do everything the grass can do. It can nourish itself, it can reproduce, it can grow. But it can also see and hear and smell and touch and taste and move around. It can move around from one side of the meadow to another, or one side of the mountain range to another. But his life has limits. There's things that bull elk can't do. He can't decide, hey, this year during hunting season, I think I'll take a vacation to the Florida Keys and maybe study some marine biology. That's not something a bull elk can do. He doesn't have that kind of a life. But now here comes a hiker. He's much, much higher on order of being than a bull elk. He can do everything the plant can do. He can take in nourishment, can grow, can reproduce himself, he can do everything that elk can do. He can see, hear, smell, taste, touch, move around. But because he's got a different life principle than the grass, because he's got a different life principle than the elk, he can also do different things. He can know. He can will. 
And just like the hiker, we're all born with the same kind of life, and that's just the problem. Why is that a problem, Father? Because this kind of life is not enough for us. It's not enough for us. Our life has limits. There's things we still can't do. And the most serious limit is that we've been made to know and love and serve God in this life and to be happy for Him forever and the next. We've been made for that. That's exactly why we've been created. And yet every bit of that is completely beyond our powers. All of it. We don't have that kind of life. Just as a clump of bunch grass doesn't have the kind of life principle with the power to move from one side of another to another, it's totally beyond the nature of grass to move around. Just as a bull elk doesn't have the kind of life principle with the power to take a vacation to the Florida Keys or study marine biology, it's totally beyond the nature of elk to go on vacation or to study anything. So also we don't have the kind of life principle to enable us to know and love and serve God in this life and to be happy with him forever in the next. It's totally beyond our nature to fulfill the very purpose for which we were made. It's completely beyond our abilities. If all we've got is the life we were born with, we're in trouble because we just can't get it done. We need another kind of life. We need another life principle. We need abilities beyond our human nature and far, far beyond our human nature in order to know and love and serve God in this life and be happy with Him forever and the next. In order to live in heaven, we need to have another kind of life, a life above our natural life. We need supernatural life. And that's what our Lord meant when He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He means He came to give us supernatural life. To give us sanctifying grace. It's a new kind of life far beyond our natural life. Sanctifying grace changes our being. It changes the way we are. It gives us the ability to know and love and serve God in this life and to be happy with Him forever in the next. We actually become adopted sons of God. And the most blessed Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, comes to dwell in the depths of our souls when we have this kind of life. But he only dwells there by invitation. When we're babies, our godparents invited him in on our behalf. When we reach the age of reason, we confirm the invitation. But, unfortunately, just like Adam, we do have one natural power with this respect. We have the power to withdraw that invitation at any time by a mortal sin. And God will respect that and leave. Sanctifying grace is actually a created share in God's own life. He places it in our soul to give us that new type of life, supernatural life. That's what St. Peter is referring to in 2 Peter 1.4 when he writes of us becoming partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. Let's stop and consider just a few implications of this. We saw that little clump of bunch grass is far, far greater in the order of being than all the stars in the universe 
because it's alive. And elk is far greater than the grass because it has a higher life principle. And the hiker is far greater than the elk because he has an even higher life principle, right? Just think of the huge difference between this hiker and a rock there that he's walking over. No sane man would compare the dignity of a man to that of a rock. But that difference is, at least in a certain sense, measurable because both a man and a rock are in the natural order of things. But the gap between a natural man and a supernatural man, a man in a state of grace, is infinitely greater than the gap between that hiker and the rock, a natural man and the rock. It's infinitely greater and immeasurable because one is natural and the other is supernatural. We don't see it, but this is an absolute truth. And it's stunning when we think about it. That if we're a natural man, our nature is closer to a rock than it is to the baby in a state of grace. It's stunning. Partakers of the divine nature, think of just what it costs to give us this incredible dignity. Nothing less than the passion and death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross. It cost the death of God the Son. Partakers of the divine nature. God has actually given us powers to do things far, far beyond our natural abilities. Things like getting to heaven. Or to take another example. We all believe there are certain men who can take pieces of bread and whisper certain words over them. And that piece of bread becomes a man. And that man is God. We all believe that. We have to believe that to get to heaven. But we don't believe that by our natural powers. No one can. We believe that because we have a supernatural power, the power of faith, to believe things that people without this gift of faith cannot believe. Only the supernatural man with the gift of faith can believe that. No one else can. Partakers of the divine nature. St. Alphonsus says, quote, Out of innumerable creatures which he might have made, God has chosen you and placed you in the world. Again, from the midst of millions of infidels and heretics, he has chosen to place you in the true church. He has made you a Christian and a Catholic. How many millions are deprived of the sacraments, of sermons? of the examples of good companions and of all other helps to salvation which are found in the true church. And God is resolved to give all these great helps to you without any merit on your part. And even with a foreknowledge of your demerits. For when he thought of creating you and bestowing these graces upon you, he foresaw the insults which you would offer to him. Partakers of the divine nature. How can we ever thank God for so great a dignity? St. Alphonsus says, quote, God has given us a way of thanking him worthily by offering to him Jesus in the Mass. In this way, God is fully thanked and satisfied. One single Mass, one single Mass gives more honor to God than all the prayers and penances of the saints, all the labors of the apostles, all the torments of the martyrs, 
and all the burning love of the seraphim and of the Divine Mother have given him or will give him. Close quote. One single mass. And he allows us to offer the sacrifice or to assist at it, not just once in a lifetime, but weekly and even daily. Partakers of the divine nature, once we get a glimmer of this incredible dignity to which we've been raised, we begin to get some idea of the absolute disaster of mortal sin which drives this supernatural life of grace from the soul, turns the man into an enemy of God and a slave of the devil and puts him under the eternal sins of forever in hell. St. Francis de Sales says, Were the angels capable of weeping, they should shed tears of pity at the sight of a soul that commits mortal sin and loses the divine grace. But as St. Alphonsus points out, the greatest misery is that the angels would, if it were in their power, weep. And the sinner weeps not. Partakers of the divine nature. Because a soul in the state of grace has a created share of God's own life, it has a created share in God's own unspeakable beauty. St. Bridget used to say that a man could not behold the beauty of a soul in the state of grace without dying from joy. St. Catherine of Siena did survive after seeing a soul in the state of grace, but she said that she would willingly have given her life to prevent that soul from losing such beauty. In fact, St. Catherine even used to kiss the ground on which priests walked because through them souls obtain this beauty that is worth dying for, the grace of God. Partakers of the divine nature. St. Alphonse says, quote, The saints thought it very little to give their life and all things for the love of so loving a God. How many noblemen, how many princes have left relatives, riches, country and even kingdoms to shut themselves up in a cloister in order to live only to the love of Jesus Christ. How many martyrs have sacrificed their life in order to thus make some return for the affection of a God who had died for their sake? And you, what have you done thus far for the sake of Jesus Christ who has died for you? What do you intend to do with the remaining days of your life, which God gives you, that you may love him? Close quote. What have you done thus far for the sake of Christ who has died for you? What do you intend to do with the remaining days of your life, which God has given you, that you may love him? Fervent communions? particular resolutions, good confessions. At the least, at the very least, pray for the grace to prefer losing your life to losing such beauty as God has granted you in making you a partaker in his divine nature.